Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm giving my advice to high schoolers as you guys prepare for life after graduation, my thoughts on the college preparation process and the college system. Oh, and of course, career planning. I get a lot of questions on this topic from men and young women, and I personally think the advice is different. Um, So that's a sensitive topic, right? (laughs) Let's get into it. But of course, have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then you go to use it and it's not very absorbent? Basically, a towel leaving you out to dry. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels at work. I know, it's crazy. Towels that actually dry you. The six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors. And right now, you can receive a six-piece towel set for $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click with promo code MORGAN to buy your towels. They come with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's MyPillow.com promo code Morgan. Thank you. Okay. So my situation with college is I went to American University. I got a bachelor's degree and throughout my process of college preparation, actual college, and then my first years as a person out in the economy with a college degree, I just have quite a few thoughts, especially as a young woman of, you know, where I think we're going wrong as a a culture and as a society. And to me, I see a lot of people that think the problems with college all kind of stem with college or maybe in the senior year of high school. But I would argue that just like a lot of the situations with the curriculum, with the topics, with the indoctrination, we actually have this problem with the corrupt college system and with poor career planning starting at a very, very, very young age. And so we need to really broaden our horizons in terms of understanding how American children in the classroom and at home, let's be honest, it's a little tough subject, but at at home, we've become a little too dependent on the school system to prepare our children for the real world and to become aware of the options after college and, of course, just the college system in general. And so uh, that's why today I kind of want to talk about the earlier phases of when children and and younger students like middle schoolers first start to hear about, you know, their expectations, the world's expectations for them as students, and then also the issues with the guidance counselor process, because I see a lot of problems there. And then it kind of just funnels the children into young adults that have a lot of student debt and then adults that are very unhappy with their life plan. And it's all because when we're 16, 17, 18 years old, we're making some really big, expensive plans for ourselves, and we barely even know ourselves yet. So let's start with kind of my experience with with middle school, because I remember, listen, I didn't really have a big understanding of the world, right? I had really only seen my mom's career. She was a physical therapist, and my dad was in the military, and I played a lot of sports. And so when you're looking at a middle schooler, what does their world revolve around? just the hobbies that they do, their activities. We aren't really exposed to much in the world. But I remember our first example of career planning or considering what to do is in like eighth grade or something in middle school. We had to take a career assessment class in eighth grade. We took this very structured, 
There was a bunch of questions. There was a bunch of topics. And it basically funneled us students at that young of an age into, you know, what would be a good career for us? And we had to pick. And so what did Morgan, little eighth grade or whatever Morgan say at the time? Maybe it was seventh grade. I ended up saying, hey, I like playing soccer and and I want to go be a pro soccer player, right? I mean, come on, Morgan. I said that I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And then what if that didn't happen? Well, I still want to be involved, right? And so I remember I went through this whole process and I ended up with this very long process of a test. They told me that I should be like an athletic trainer or something. Now that doesn't fit adult Morgan at all. But when you have an eighth grade girl who just plays some sports after school and on the weekends, and that's kind of like her whole life, yeah, you're going to end up... (laughs) with a stupid answer like that that doesn't fit you at all. And then that little process of like, oh, you fill out the questions of what you like to do. What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing? That was really our only discussion of, hey, you've got to start thinking of what you want to do in the real world. So then let's kind of flash forward into high school because nothing, I repeat, nothing really happens in that time span, or at least it didn't for me, where the school system says, hey, you should start thinking about focusing on what you like to do, where your skills lie, etc. You're still just kind of going through the process. So that's when the issue of the guidance counselor system comes in for me. They put you on a fast track to a four-year degree, massive student debt, and of course, it's a useless degree at that. And oftentimes, it's something that you're not even enjoying, you're not even very happy with as you actually become an adult and go to this job nine to five, 40 hours a week. So my first meeting with guidance counselors, what do they do? They sit you down. They're kind of in a rush, right? Because they've got to meet with all of the students in your school. And if you go to a larger school, I had about 300 students in my class. The student comes in, the guidance counselor says, hey, what are you thinking? And this is maybe when you're a sophomore. Say, what are you thinking in terms of schools or maybe a junior? And they ask, what's your reach school? They ask, what's your safety school? And then what are a couple schools in between? And they tell you to apply for all of them. <laughs> and the applications each cost a certain amount, right? And so you tell them your schools, there's no consideration of cost. There's no conversation of financial planning, right? They just ask you, where do you want to go? What's your ideal school? And you say something like Harvard, or you say Yale, or you say some big fancy school that you would love to get into. And then they say, okay, and in your head, you're thinking, I'm absolutely going to get it because the real world hasn't really hit you on the head yet. You tell them your reach school, you tell them the safety school and the ones that you want to go to. And the guidance counselor looks at you, still doesn't know you, still doesn't know anything about your life, really, really has no close personal relationship with you. And they say, okay, well, I suggest over the next year so that you can do these things, you should join a club, you should do a little bit more volunteering on the weekends, and maybe take this class because it'll look good on your application that you took this smart class. And that's about it. And so then you disappear for another year and you go off into the the system where you start looking at schools, touring them. You have no concept because everybody else is doing it too, right? So you aren't kind of questioning the prices. You aren't questioning much of it because you're being funneled into the system. On top of that, the fact that they only give you this suggestion, they have no conversation with you about actual career planning. It's more so just how can we get you to your school? Now, the thing with this as well is that there's a stigma in, and maybe this is just in the Northeast, I don't know, there's a stigma against doing anything but going to the four-year school. There's a lot of pressure. It's all worldly. So 
for me, I see the solution as like, wouldn't it be nice if just all of a sudden we took away stigmas, we took away judgment, we took away people being rude, and we started to wake people up by massive amounts to the fact that there's no shame in not getting a four-year degree. There's no shame in going to a two-year school and then transferring to a four-year school. There's no shame in just saying, you know what? I'm just going to pause for the cause for a little bit because I don't exactly know and so I'm not going to go to school. And there's no shame in going to a trade school. Unfortunately, the school system, the expectations put onto us by the world makes us feel like we have to reach those marks. And if we want to get biblical, it's like we're all just so obsessed with the worldly expectations and plans for us that we kind of get wrapped up in it and then we get brought down the wrong paths. So for me, it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a quick societal solution to this where there's no judgment and people had all these options and we could just fix the guidance counseling system, et cetera. But for me, I'd say, like most of the problems in America, this solution starts at home. And so maybe it's idealistic, but you can't change the fact that people are going to be judgy in any situation. You can't change that they're going to judge, especially when you're choosing your career, when you're planning like this, because it's a very judgy zone. Ideally, though, I'd love to build confidence in my kids so that they don't give a dang what other people think. I know it's kind of hard because everybody's so sensitive and emotional and and judgmental in high school, especially. I want my children from a very young age to be like, listen, I know that there is a rat race where people are constantly trying to keep up with each other and it brings people down a bad path. And I hope that my children over years of development understand that it's okay to go against the grain. It's okay to be rooted in more foundational, traditional things like focusing on family, planning it out so that you have better work-life balance. Like I want to have these kind of conversations from a very young age instead of what's happening right now, where again, you have almost this keeping up with the Joneses thing happening at a high school level. So, So if we could work on our children to help them flourish in this environment because I don't think we're going to be able to change people very much. I'd see that (laughs) as a, a very positive thing. And on top of that, I also want them to understand how small of a blip high school is in their whole life. It's just a tiny sliver. And so this helps them with with bullying. It helps them with any conflict that they're facing in high school, of course, as well. But it also helps them understand that, like, listen, they've got to perform and succeed and soak in what they can while they're in this this era of life, but it's going to be such a tiny blip of their life that it doesn't matter what people think and they need to do what works best for them in the long run throughout each decision-making process. On top of that, I think it's funny that I'm saying this because I'm homeschooling my kids, okay, so they're not going to be in this public school situation, but a lot of people are going to be in this public school situation, so I hope this helps you guys. Now, what's another problem that I have in this phase? So we're still in the high school guidance counselor planning like, oh, which college do I want to go? And again, I'm from the Northeast. So I'm not from a a Southern state where a lot of people just go to the big state school and it's cool. In New York state, it's different. You have the SUNY system where it's like tiny little state campuses across the state. And then most people are just a part of that keeping up with the Joneses thing where they go to that fancy private school that's $50,000, $60,000, $70,000 a year. So that's the kind of vibe that we are in. And we are just focused on getting to that next step, the school. We don't have any other factors in that decision. The other problem that I see in this age range mix of when we're planning our lives, planning our career, planning our school, is the fact that all of our lives as women, we are told that we are the exact same as men. 
that we don't have anything different, maybe a little bit different in our body. But now, of course, with all of this woke stuff, they're trying to reject that as well. They're rejecting science. But they're telling us that physically, mentally, physiologically, all of these things, we are the exact same as men. And they couldn't be more wrong. Women naturally have different strengths. Men have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And when we're combined, we form into a really great pair because we have those different strengths and weaknesses. So I think it's really, I'm going to say this, it's really disgusting that they tell young girls and then middle school girls, high school girls, college girls, you are the exact same. Because at a certain point, as we get older, the narrative that we've been sold starts to not make sense. The boss babe thing starts to not really add up. That empowerment thing doesn't really add up. Unfortunately, we've been put into the cycle just like young boys. And then we kind of get to the college age. We get our career. You know, you get those first fun years, right? And you're, you're doing the fun thing. You're doing exactly what you were told. You were planning it out. You're living it out. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, how am I supposed to do the, how the heck am I supposed to do the life stuff in addition to this? And to me, when we say that it's empowering for women to be put onto this train with no stop and that they're going to feel maximum empowerment and happiness and enjoyment in life if they get on this and then we don't really consider what's going to happen when they actually try and do some of the the greatest sources of happiness and joy in their lives and they have a hard time putting it all together they feel like they're failures and they feel like wait a second if other people are doing it and they're they're doing it all and they can have it all how come i'm struggling to do this with my family and balance all the time so for me i had a personal experience of this and I should just say, if you want to go to work as a woman, if you want to have a, a career, if you want to have a boss, babe, thing, whatever you want to do, I'm not judging. Okay, go ahead. But this conversation is more so for the women who are like, wait a second, something is weird here. Or if you're just kind of interested in the topic. Okay, I'm not trying to force anything. But I really, really encourage all young girls and women, especially if you're in high school and even middle school, to just consider what you want in life. Okay, consider what you want in all of your life, because if you're blessed enough, you'll have decades of life after college, right? We can all hope. Think about what you want to achieve. Be realistic with it, okay? Do you want family and a children? At what age are you thinking about wanting family and a children? How much time do you want to be with your family and your children on a day-to-day -day basis, on a weekly basis, throughout the year? Look at your life. And the schedule of what your day-to-day, -day, what your day schedule would be if you pursued different fields of work. Do you like how each situation would be if it played out in your actual life? And how would you fit in all of your things? I think this is one of the big problems. And that's why I highly encourage young women when they are in high school, in college, if you're going to do a, an office job or if you're planning to, if that had been your vision the whole time, go ahead. If you're thinking about it or if that was your plan, please do internships as many as you possibly can from as many different angles as you can in the field of work that you're thinking so that you can see the schedule and the balance, the work-life balance of the people in that office. And men, you can listen to this too, and I highly suggest both genders, both, both sexes do this so that you can actually Put yourself into the position of the full-time employees at the places where you're going to try and work. Do you want to mimic them? Do you like that life? 
Ask them what time they wake up. Are they able to go to the gym at any point in their day? Do they even work out anymore? Are they able to get a nutritious meal and make that? Or or how do they get their snack? Do they just eat a banana on the way in the car and they feel really malnourished? Really, I'm I'm talking like the very serious detailed questions where you might overlook them. Ask and find out as much as possible. That's why these internships are so good. A lot of people do, oh, it's, it's, it's for the experience. No, no, no. You, most for the most part, are not getting paid because you're trying to see if you're a good fit for this as well. You're getting the experience, of course, but you're trying to see, do I want to actually be an employee in a situation like this? So men and women do both of this. And, and of course, what are some other questions? Maybe I'll do an episode on this. What are some other questions to consider when you're looking at these fields? What time do they wake up? How much sleep do they get at night? Are they able to get breakfast in the morning? How far are they commuting? Where do they live if they are working in a place like this? How far do they have to live to actually be able to afford a home or something like that? Or are they in a tiny apartment? It can get a little sticky, of course. You don't want to ask finances. But like, really try and find out what is the life quality? Where are these people living? Is it a nice, enjoyable situation? Whatever. Other questions Are they able to get home and have dinner with their kids at the end of the night? Do they even have an hour or two at night to relax or is it literally just a rat race? Now, I'm saying all this because let's put ourselves back into the woman position. I got out of college and my first, you know, big fancy job that I got was at a, an advertising agency. And I've talked about this before on other episodes. I believe one of my first episodes was why I left my nine to five to be self-employed. I did it because I want to focus on family. I got to my job and it was everything you would want to see in, you know, the modern millennial Gen Z kind of economy, right? We had the free coffee bar, the the colors of the company were hot pink. And then the logo I remember was like this octopus. And so there was art all over the building. It was these beautiful like lounge areas. It was open seating. It was really, really cool, right? But at the end of the day, I became horrified and quit the job within a year and started to become self-employed because (laughs) I saw, much to my chagrin, the fact that all these little ideas that seemed so cool for all the years of career planning and, and all the preparation from high school to college to now, it doesn't really work out when you're actually living out the situation. I saw women that were planning their entire lives around just the couple weeks of vacation that they would have that year, when they were going to get married, when they were going to get engaged. I saw women planning when they were going to get pregnant to maximize time with their infant child so that they could have as much time as possible before that baby had to get taken care of by someone else so that the woman could come back into work. I saw the women who were had young children or older children struggling because they were rushing, waking up super early in the morning, rushing to get their kids to work or or to school or to daycare, and then rushing themselves to get through the traffic, to commute to the office. They're stressed all day at work because they know that they didn't get a lot of time with their kids. They didn't get a lot of time or they won't get a lot of time with them that night, but they've got to go rush after work back through the traffic to pick them up, to take them home, to get some food in their bellies. It's a rushed process and then to get them to bed. And then what do you know? Day after day, it just starts to really drain you. Something's not right with it, okay? The boss babe thing isn't working in that situation. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm just saying if you just plan out what you want to prioritize in life and then make the proper decisions so that, listen, 
<laughs> we're all not billionaires, right? We've got to earn money. We've got to pay our bills. And this economy is not exactly a one income household kind of economy. And so as women, yeah, the economic times make it so that for the most part, we've got to provide as well. We've got to help pay the bills. We've got to contribute financially. But if we from a younger age are like, wait a second, what are we doing getting these archaic nine to five office jobs thinking that it's some boss babe thing? This economy has never been more truly empowering to women because we can work at home. We have the technology to work remotely in nearly every field, okay? You aren't restricted to just being like, oh, an assistant online. By the way, being an online assistant for people is a fantastic option if you haven't looked into that and you just kind of want like a little side thing and you're a very organized lady. I'm saying it's a really great job and there's a lot of demand for it, but there's a ton. My lawyer, Tim Parlator, he has a bunch of women. He employs military wives because the military wives have to travel around so much and they have such a chaotic schedule that he's like, this is perfect for me because they can help out and they can have the flexibility for them. So it's perfect for both parties. What I'm saying is there's an opportunity for you to work remotely or to be self-employed and start your little LLC to do contract services or whatever it is. There's an opportunity in nearly every industry. So please don't feel intimidated. So really, really, what I'm saying here is consider when you're planning it all out, consider the lifestyle of that job. For men and women, you can look at the same kind of things for a lot of these topics like wake up time, exercise, et cetera, and quality of life and amount of sleep, stuff like that. But specifically for women, I really, really, really want you to consider how you would balance it out. And are you going to enjoy, especially if you're seeing in an internship, their lifestyle and how they're balancing everything, are you going to enjoy that for yourself? And then the last thing about the issue with selling this, you know, you're the same narrative, be empowered, go to work, women, all this stuff, all of this narrative starts to really backfire as women graduate college and you, you know, you do the first few years at your, your job and you're kind of enjoying it, but then you're like, wait a second, I've met the love of my life, we're going to get married, and I have a lot of debt because for the most part, most students in America have a lot of debt on their shoulders now. So the woman can't exactly be like, all right, you know, it's time for me to have babies. I'm going to stay at home. It's financially feasible. It's just not possible. Not only that, it's impossible for people to just buy their home in the first place these days. But it's not exactly practical now for a woman to just pass over all of her student debt that she's got to get her degree and leave her job. Because it's like, wait a second, I just spent all this money. I went to school all these years and I was told that I would really enjoy this, but why is my heart telling me that I would actually rather be at home? And they feel kind of bad because you have feminists that'll make women feel like leeches. Leeches is the term that feminists have used for decades now to make stay-at-home moms, homemakers feel like they are mooching off of their husbands. Can you imagine? When in reality, the value of having a homemaker or even just a woman that works part-time and then is able to focus more attention on the home, you need someone to keep the home, okay? Bottom line is there are so many benefits, not just financial, there are so many holistic benefits for the family that come when you have the ability to have flexibility and focus more time on the family and on the keeping of the home. But it's a little too late, unfortunately. Millennial women, Gen Z women are now in that rat race right now and they're about to figure it out the hard way. You graduate, you get into that phase of life where you want to start actually like, wait a second, I feel really compassionate and nurturing. And what if I wanted to stay at home? I'm having a hard time dropping my kids off at daycare. It's too late, honey. It's too late because you were unfortunately lied to. And now we're all realizing 
the scam that it was, but it's a little too late because of the finances of it. It's very complicated. And it makes me sad. So that's why I like to talk to high school girls, college girls, so that they can really do everything they possibly can in the planning phases and the preparation phases to get into a good position. That's why for me, I was like, screw this. I'm going to take the risk of leaving this nine to five and I'm going to do whatever I can to find contract jobs or I have my flag business. I've got the LLC. I used to do a lot of commentary. I don't really anymore because I like this podcast a little bit more. I like to be a little bit more pulled back from all that stuff. But there are so many ways, and especially for women, oh my gosh, Morgan's going to say it, women are a little bit more creative, we're a little bit more artful, we're a little bit more compassionate and nurturing, and there's so many opportunities for us to create and then sell our services on things like Fiverr. It's a wonderful economy if you want to start exploring that, so I encourage you to do so. Also, Etsy is fantastic if you want to sell goods. Now, let's move on to the college phase because I have two things I want to talk about, one, undecided majors, and two, wasteful majors, okay? So one of the most frustrating things for me when I meet college students is when they tell me that they are undecided. They're at a private four-year university paying tens of thousands of dollars per semester, and they are going as an undecided major. If you are planning, listen to me, if you are planning to go to college as an undecided major, please just stop, okay? Stop it. Do not waste your time or your money. My big concerns, number one, you will need to make major adjustments when you actually pick your major, okay? So for the high school students that don't know this, here's the thing. You're told that it's totally fine to just decide to be an undecided, declared, like literally your listed major is undecided and to go to school for the first two years, maybe as freshman and sophomore, and just take some classes and just have fun with it. You know what I mean? And so you go and you're paying a lot of money to be an undecided major and you're maybe taking your gen eds and stuff like that. But here's the bottom line. When you decide your major, you're going to be handed your list of the classes that you have to take to actually graduate with that major. And the school systems, because they want you to be a customer as long as possible, they aren't exactly trying to help you graduate faster or anything, right? They want you to be there as long as possible. I graduated a year early and it gave them a headache because they were like, wait, now we have a customer that was going to pay for four years. Now she's not paying for a fourth year. So we just basically lost a year of of a lot of money. And it's because I realized I could take night classes, I could take weekend classes, I took extra credits, and I paid a little bit more to take those extra classes, but it was way worth it because I didn't have to pay for that fourth year of school. And they gave me a lot of problems about it because they, (laughs) my guidance counselor said, Morgan, are you really sure, like, you really become the person you're meant to be in your fourth year of school? And I was like, ma'am, I don't have the money to do so. And I just hustled so that I could do this in three years. And you're actually against me on this. It's not like they're advocating for us. You know what I mean? They aren't thrilled that I hustled my way to do it. They're more like, dang it. Why did she do this? How can we get her to waste one more year here? So here's the thing. You do the first two years as undecided because you were told it's totally fine. Just take your gen eds, whatever. But the problem is when you get your list of classes you got to take for your actual major that you want to graduate with, you're like, wait a second. this is going to take me longer than the expected time that I was planning to be here. And now all of a sudden you have to stay 4.5 years. You have to stay an extra semester and pay for it. Or you have to stay five years and pay for it. So now they've turned you into an extra year customer for their product. And they don't really care about that, but you're going to care about it because it's going to be a very pricey decision. So I'm saying, first of all, it's a great financial waste But here's the thing. It's also a time waste because if you're going to go to school 
I'm not a big advocate of just going to college, okay? You need to go to college if you have a plan where, yep, what you're doing specifically cannot be learned by going on the internet or reading your own resources or watching the experts. Because first of all, you have amazing business people. You have amazing successful humans out there and experts that provide so much information and resources to you. There's a lot of stuff you can just do if you've got the time, if you've got the energy, if you've got the effort and the willingness to learn yourself. But if you have chosen a path where you absolutely need a certification or you need professional education in something and you're like, yep, I definitely need to get this degree, that's totally okay. I'm not against that. But please be wise and smart when you're financially planning it, when you're choosing where to go, et cetera. And that carries into if you're going to go and pay for college, you want to get the most out of it. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to be wasting classes. And if you go with an undecided major, the school will literally be like, what do you want to take painting? I've heard people that are like, yeah, I took, I could graduate and they wanted me to just take like some extra stuff. So I took volleyball, you know, like that's how I got my extra credits or that's how I got my credits that semester, or they let me take blah, blah, blah. So I only took this many amount. Like imagine that you're paying for a certain amount for the semester and you could take between 12 and 15 credits and you just want to skirt by and you want an easy semester. So you take 12 credits instead of 15. And by that, I mean, 12 credits is four classes. Each class is three credits, right? So if you have the opportunity to take five classes, but you just want to, you know, have an easy semester and you don't want to be too stressed. So you only take four. It's like, You're missing out on a free class that year. You're missing out on an additional opportunity to learn that subject. And if you're doing undecided, you're taking random classes because there's no plan for you. You don't know what the heck you want to do in life. So you're just winging it with your choices and classes of fun topics, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're just interested in learning. But if you're going to pay for college, you want to get the most out of it because you're trying to get career experience and knowledge. So you're wasting your opportunity to get educated in the specific classes that you want. You're wasting the opportunity to take more classes in the field that you want to end up working in. You're wasting your opportunity to do that. So if you're going undecided, I encourage you to not go to college. Okay, wait it out. Work, get an internship. It's not like I'm saying go stay on the couch at your parents' house. I'm telling you that the world is still going on. Okay, the world won't end just because you don't go to college right away. You're going to benefit highly Instead of doing an undecided major, don't pay attention to keeping up with the Joneses. Don't pay attention to what your friends are doing. Don't worry about what people in high school think. I'm telling you, it's okay. Just figure out something where you can at least gain experience or or pause for the cause. Earn money and build yourself because life is still going on. And then if you decide what you really want to do and then say, oh, I actually need a degree for this, then you can plan. But please do not go to college with an undecided major. It's not just a waste of money. It's a waste of opportunity to actually take classes and pay for classes that educate you on your future. The next thing, and this will be my last point. The next thing is don't just do an undecided major, but don't do a wasteful major. Now, one example for me, (laughs) and this is like part of that indoctrination story of college. I went to school and my major was communications, law, economics, and government. It was called Clegg. I did it because I thought I was going to go to college and work in veterans advocacy. And I wanted to get like a USO job or like a nonprofit job or something like that in the veteran space. Because when I was in high school, I was an officer at the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars Ladies Auxiliary. And it was a big thing. My dad's a colonel. A lot of guys in my family are in the military. So 
I wanted to do that. And I figured if I'm educated in communications, law, economics, and government, it's a great combination. And that's kind of why American combined those four into a major. I think it's genius because you need all those four components to really work effectively in that space, right? You need to understand communications and marketing, but you also need to understand government. You need to understand econ because econ is so tightly connected to government. And then, of course, the law slash legal institutions is what the L was. That's how you learn about, you know, this is how things work, right? This is how you actually can advocate for things. This is how you can change things. And so it's great for people that want to work in nonprofits, that want to work in the behind the scenes of government, etc. So I really give them a lot of credit. But because I was a CLEG major, that meant that the school, I don't I can't remember what it's called, the School of Public Affairs, maybe SPA, SPA, they pushed on every woman in that school to get a women's studies minor, right? They wanted all of us to get put into the highly focused feminism minor. Basically, that minor was a way to politicize all those young women that were trying to get degrees to go work in government. But guess what it would do? It would pretty much, you know, it would make you see a certain way on those issues, right? If you're getting a women's studies or whatever it was called, it was supposed to be like women in politics minor or certification or something like that. And you had to take a bunch of classes. They try to add that kind of stuff on. That is not necessary. Okay. Please do not fall for it. And that's how those diversity and woke people try and get you to be a little bit more indoctrinated. So that's what I mean too of like, don't really pay attention to that woke stuff. But here's the thing with a wasteful major. Clegg, I think was really good for me. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that maybe they want to work in politics. Let's just use politics as an example. You don't have to work in politics, but let's take politics as an industry. Say you want to work in politics after college. So you look at all the options for a major and you say, well, gee, I'm going to study political science and be a political science major because I want to work in politics. But what's the problem with a political science major? A political science major is basically you in a classroom of somebody who, let's be real, probably leans left. There are some, but it's basically like 80% or 88% of college teachers are like left-leaning. You're in a classroom listening to this person talk to you about their views, or, you know, they're not going to say they're their views sometimes, but their evaluation, their expertise on something having to do with politics. But my statement on this is that these professors are going to just talk to you in the class about politics, the world, and a little bit of history, and it's all going to be slanted. I say, listen, if you want to work in politics, you shouldn't be taking classes where you get talked to by a left-leaning professor about political issues. You should be reading all of the classics, all of the important historical books that you should know about, by the way. You should be learning all that on your own. You should be learning all of that on your own, reading on your own time, educating yourself and forming your own political opinions and learning how to communicate about those things instead of learning about them in an awkward classroom setting with a left-leaning slant. These books are all available. We should all be building libraries of the classics. YouTube is very available. Hillsdale classes, Liberty classes, these things are free for the most part. Free content all over the place. You shouldn't go to college to learn political views. So don't do poli-sci. Instead, like every industry, you need to provide a skill. So if you want to work in politics, don't just say, I'm going to study politics. You should, of course, learn politics, but you need to learn how to be useful in your industry. 
So what do you want to do in your field? What do you want to do in politics? You got to take those classes. That's why when people talk to me about, oh, I'm a poli-sci major, I, I explain to them, listen, there is a job in politics for nearly everybody. Do you like making content for people? Guess what? It's 2023. Every organization, company, candidate, politician, whatever, needs content made for them, right? So how are you going to help out with that? Do you want to be a content creator for them? Then you need to take classes, not about politics. You need to, yes, be learning about politics, but taking classes and becoming an expert in videography, in camera, in photography, in editing, in all of that kind of stuff so that you can become a provider of a very important asset for that person. Do you want to be somebody leading the marketing and communications of somebody or an entity in politics, then yeah, you need to be focusing on communication, on marketing. Do you see how you can look at the actual thing you want to do in politics and then become a very well-trained person, not an expert yet, but a very well-trained young person that can provide a very important asset to whoever you're trying to get hired by? That's how you need to be thinking about it. So if you're going to go to school, please be smart about the kind of major that you pick. And again, that was just my political example because politics, I believe, is an industry. But you can take that into anything. You guys, that's about the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.